Some of you may be wondering, why are we devoting ourselves to a week of prayer as a church? Why are we doing this? And what's the importance or significance of praying for a week? We all, we all probably would agree with this statement that we all need to pray more, right? We all know we need to pray more, but why do we need to pray for a week? Why, why devote ourselves to a week of prayer? The, the main reason I've been encouraging you all to join together in commitment to pray for a period of time every day for the ministry of Higgins Lake Baptist Church, the main reason I'm preaching on prayer today and Lord willing next Sunday, and the main reason we're making a big deal of prayer is not necessarily so that you'll be praying... <laughs> Every day, although that is part of my desire, the main reason I'm preaching on prayer today and the main reason I'm asking you to commit to praying for this week together is because God's Word makes a big deal about prayer. God's Word has much to say about prayer. God's Word makes it very clear that prayer is important. It is a very important privilege of ours. And it's so important that we take advantage of it and use it and obey God's Word and as God's people actually pray. For years now, we've chosen a passage of Scripture every month to commit to memory. And for those of you who are in our Sunday school hour, in our Sunday school opening, we recited this month's passage. You can see it inside your bulletin at the bottom on the inside. That's our passage for the year. It's uh, For January, it's actually Psalm 86, verses 5 through 7. And I hope you'll commit to memory these passages that we pick out for for you as a church body to memorize together uh, during each month of the year. Well, this year, every passage is on the subject of prayer. Um, next month in February, we're going to be memorizing a passage from the Psalms. And that passage that we're going to be looking at next month and memorizing together next month actually reminds us of the privilege of being a child of God who prays. Because you can be a child of God who doesn't pray much. I don't think, you know, I don't think you can be a follower of Christ and never pray. Because by your nature, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you will be a person of prayer. But you can be a person who believes in Jesus Christ for your salvation but doesn't pray regularly. But one of the privileges of being a child of God who prays regularly is one is the one we see in Psalm 145, our passage for. February, verses 18 and 19, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. In March, the following month, March, we're going to memorize Ephesians 6.18, which commands believers to be in a continual spirit of prayer and especially be in prayer for each other. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. I heard Farrell say, you know, I, I've committed to a period of time to pray each day, but I'm not sure I'll be able to do it all. You know, I think I got, got what he was saying. I'm not sure I'll be able to do that, that complete period of time all in one shot because I've got a work day, and, and you're, you're like that too. You've got things you need to face Throughout your day, I I read of Charles Spurgeon who said one time, I don't think I've ever prayed for longer than five minutes, but I've never gone longer than five minutes without prayer. I think that's incredible. Uh, He wasn't wasn't just being funny. 
um, I think that's an incredible statement that we need to be challenged by. We need to be faithful people in prayer. We may not pray longer than five minutes, but, but we ought to be more like that, that we don't go five minutes without prayer. Because Ephesians 6.18 is a great challenge to us, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. In May, we're going to commit to memory Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, which reminds us that prayer, listen to this and think about this, that prayer in the life of a believer displaces worry and fear. I hope you've figured that out already, <laughs> that I'm not telling you something you didn't already know, but the Bible says that, and if you'll, you'll pray, you'll find out that that prayer in the life of a believer displaces worry and fear. Listen to these verses, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So God's word speaks very clearly, and it speaks at great length about the importance of prayer, and it commands that believers must be people who pray. You realize that as a follower of Christ, you are commanded to pray. I hope you understand the importance of prayer. I'm here today to help you understand the importance of prayer and understand why it's so important that we pray together. Many faithful saints over the years have had something to say about prayer also. They've been powerful reminders to us of the importance of prayer in the life of the believer. I quoted Charles Spurgeon earlier, I'm going to quote him again now. He, he says this about prayer. Prayer is the master weapon. We, we should be greatly wise if we used it more and did so with more specific purpose. He went on to say, All hell is vanquished when the believer bows his knee in importunate supplication. Beloved brethren, let us pray. We cannot all argue I'm thinking he's meaning argue the gospel with folks. We cannot all argue, but we can all pray. We cannot all be leaders, but we can all be pleaders. We cannot all be mighty in rhetoric, but we can all be prevalent in prayer. I would sooner see you eloquent with God than with men. Prayer links us with the eternal, the omnipotent, the infinite, and hence it is our chief resort. Be sure that you are with God, and then you may be sure that God is with you, says Spurgeon. R.A. Torrey once noted these important reasons for prayer. It's important that believers pray, he says, because there is a devil, and prayer is a God-appointed way to resist him. It's important that believers pray because prayer is God's way for us to obtain what we need from him. It's important that believers pray because prayer is the means God has appointed for us to find grace to help in time of need. And R.A. Torrey says, it's important that believers pray because prayer with thanksgiving is God's way for us to obtain freedom from anxiety and to receive the peace of God. Now, there are many, many passages in Scripture, many saints of old who have spoken about the importance of of prayer and the and the Bible talks about it at great length, but there's another passage I want to go to this this morning together, and I want you to turn with me to Romans 15, where we see the importance of prayer and why we pray. And I want you to look with me at this passage because in this passage are some some ways that we that we ought to pray and some reasons for which we ought to find ourselves praying. 
Romans chapter 15, and I want you to go with me to verses 30 through 33. Because I want you to see together with me this morning why we ought to labor together in prayer and why we're beginning the year 2011 with this emphasis on prayer. We all need to be reading our Bibles, yes? And, and I've heard much over the last few days from, from uh, believers about the importance of reading the Scriptures in the new year. And I'm here to say, yes, you ought to read your Bible in 2011 if you've never read through the Scriptures. I would challenge and encourage you to read through the Bible in 2011. And I've got lots of resources, lots of Bible reading plans. But you need to pray, too. You need to pray. We need to be people who pray. We need to labor together as a body of believers in prayer. And I want you to see this passage of Scripture this morning and how it will help us us in this endeavor. Romans 15, beginning in verse 30. I appeal to you, brothers... By our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be uh, acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. I want you to understand this morning the importance of praying together as a church. And we should be praying together. And and you, you understand already, when I talk about praying together, we obviously can't be here all week together, but we can pray together all week. You realize that. And many of you have committed to a a certain amount of time every day that you'll be praying. Um, I think when I added it up yesterday, we had almost 10 hours of commitments, 10 total hours of commitments, counting up everyone's commitments, 10 hours of prayer every day committed to beginning today through next Sunday. And that's incredible. And I praise God for that. I praise God for your commitment to pray. And we can pray together, though we won't be able to be together all week. We can pray together. And I want you to understand the importance of praying together as a church. But first, I want you to understand this, and you already know this probably, but you need to note something that that we don't often mention when we talk about the importance of prayer. Prayer is hard work. Prayer is hard work. Prayer is labor-intensive. Some of you have said, you know, I want to pray. I just find it really hard. And you understand what, what I mean. In some ways, what I mean when I say it's, prayer is hard work and is labor-intensive, it's, it's hard to pray sometimes. I want you to note how Paul asked the believers to pray with him and for him. Look at what he says there in verse 30. He says, strive together. The, the idea here, he's, he's giving it this, this word strive. He, he probably couldn't have come up with a, a stronger word than this one in, in, the, in the Greek. He says, a strive together. It's, it's labor. It's working hard. It's labor intensive. Strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. I appreciate the fact that, that Paul doesn't say, hey, um, why don't you pray with me just a little bit? It won't be too bad. Uh, Just commit yourself to a little bit of prayer for me. And it doesn't try to soft sell it. He says, strive together with me. Work, labor together with me in this. Pray for me. He gives it to them straight. Prayer is hard work. It is labor intensive. Let's not kid around here. Faithful prayer takes diligence. Faithful prayer takes commitment. That's why we put out a few weeks ago those blue sheets of paper in your program. And every week I said, if you haven't thought about this yet, would you commit to praying? 
Because prayer takes commitment. We ought to commit ourselves to praying. Paul asked the believers to pray with him and strive together with him in their prayers to God on his behalf because it was important. He was being persecuted. There were those who were opposing his preaching of the gospel. There were those who were trying to oppress him and be done with him. But why is prayer hard work? It was a hard thing that he was asking them to do. There were things that that needed to be accomplished that they couldn't accomplish on their own, but he knew that they could pray. And so he asked them to pray. Prayer is hard work at times, but why is it such hard work? Well, I think there are many reasons. I'm going to share just a few with you this morning about why prayer is hard work, because we need to understand what the problem is at times. Why is it such hard work for us to pray? Well, for one reason, it's hard to pray because we're at war with sin. You realize you're at war with sin in your life, and your sin hinders your praying. Your sin hinders your praying. And sometimes it's hard to pray because you've got sin in your life. Psalm 66, verse 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And sometimes we we kind of harbor this kind of this pet sin we have, this favorite thing that, you know, I don't know, I'm not sure. I know it's not quite right, but... I don't know. I'm just not ready to confess that one and get that one right. I want to. I want to hang on to that sin for a little bit. Maybe we're not quite so verbal about it, but you know we've got something that we're not dealing with. God's Spirit is convicting us about it. We're not dealing with it. If we cherish sin, if we harbor sin, if we hold on to sin, and we refuse to repent of sin in our lives, God will not hear our prayers. Sometimes prayer is hard because we've got unconfessed sin, unrepented of sin in our lives. We need to be honest with God about our sin. He knows about our sin. We need to be honest with ourselves and admit our sin and and get those right with God. That makes prayer hard at times. Prayer is hard also because we're easily distracted by the cares and interests of this world. And yet, you know, we have to live in this world, don't we? We live in this world and we have interests and cares and concerns and things to deal with every day, and those things distract us. But there are other things that we might classify as you know, personal interests or even things that might be classified with the first problem, sin. You know, we might be distracted by things in our lives that we think are important that God might be calling sin. Or we might be thinking are important that God doesn't necessarily call sin, but he doesn't think they're important. And we're giving ourselves to things that, that distract us from something that is most important. Sometimes we're distracted by the cares of this world and we let them overwhelm us. Sometimes we're distracted by self-interest and we let self-interest come before the things that interest God. James chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 shows us the kinds of troubles that come with being focused on earthly things over obedience to God's word and that can happen. We can we can give our efforts and our energies to pursuing our passions rather than obeying God's word. And here's the trouble that comes our way. James 4, verses 1 through 4 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You see, we get our passions and desires ahead of praying and 
yielding to God. It goes on to say in verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. We pray, sometimes when we pray, we pray selfishly. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You see, we easily get distracted by the cares and interests and self-interests of this world in which we live. And that makes prayer hard at times. Prayer is also hard because we sometimes have broken relationships. And those broken relationships can often sidetrack us from seeking God's will. You know how it goes. You get sideways with somebody and you want your way. You're not too interested in God's will in the matter. You want your way. You want, you want to get even. You want things made right. But listen to Philippians 2, verses 2 through 5, which shows us how to deal with that. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So there are times we have broken relationships, and those broken relationships make it difficult for us to pray. We're not always of the same mind. And when that happens, our prayers are hindered. Sometimes prayer is hard because we're weakened by unbelief. We face hardship and difficulty which weakens our faith. We, we just can't believe this is how God would want it. We're weakened by unbelief which makes it hard to pray, hard to trust God for the outcome of the difficult situations we face. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. You see, we are weakened by unbelief at times, and that makes prayer very difficult. Sometimes we just don't believe that God is in control and that he has our best interests at heart, and that makes prayer hard, difficult. It makes it labor-intensive. And prayer is hard because we often get discouraged, right? Sometimes we get discouraged, and we, I don't know if I can even pray about that right now. I'm just so discouraged. I'm so frustrated, or I'm so angry. We're angry and frustrated and discouraged over circumstances. And when that happens, we labor and we struggle to even want to pray over those trying situations. But those are the times we most desperately need to yield before God in prayer. Yes, prayer is hard. And the Bible, you realize, I hope you realize, the Bible never tells us that prayer is fun or easy. But I want you to note this, Sue. Even in the midst of difficulty praying, and even though prayer is hard, even though prayer is labor-intensive, and even though the Bible never says, come and have fun praying, it's rewarding. But this is most important. Prayer is never impossible. Do you realize that? Even in the midst of hardship and difficulty, when you find it the hardest to pray, it is not impossible to pray. So with that in mind, let's know why you should should. Pursue prayer, the hard work of prayer, the labor-intensive work of prayer in 2011. 
and join with us as your church family as we pray for one another and with one another for this ministry in which God has us involved. Why should we pray? Why should you pursue the hard work of prayer? Well, here's a powerful reason. I've spent much time over the last seven and a half, almost eight years of, of preaching to you when I've come before you and said, we must be unified as God's people or we will not survive. We will not have a powerful testimony in this community. And here's a powerful reason for why we ought to pray together as a church, why we ought to faithfully commit ourselves, not just to this week, but throughout the year of praying together for the ministry in which God has us involved. God's people are unified when they pray. God's people are unified when they pray. In verse 30, Paul says, look at it with with me again. Verse 30, Paul says, strive together with me. Strive together with me. That's one of the reasons we're setting aside a week for prayer at the beginning of this new year. We're going to benefit as a church. We're going to be stronger. We're going to be united. We're going to be glorifying God together as a church as we pray together as a people by being unified as a body of believers in our prayers for one another and for the wider ministry of Higgins Lake Baptist Church. We will benefit as a church if we will pray. And God's people are unified when they pray. Just think of this this morning. As we look around this morning, we say, you know, there, there aren't as many people here as, as there are at some other times of the year, right? And you realize there are people who, who are a part of Higgins Lake Baptist Church who aren't with us this time of year. But prayer has no barriers. There are no barriers to prayer. Young and old alike can pray, and that's an encouragement to you young people also. I hope young people and everyone in between young and old are thinking about I can pray this week, and I'm going to commit myself to praying for the ministry of Higgins Lake Baptist Church. Young people and old people alike can pray. I think of those who are housebound during our week of prayer. We miss some of them this morning who we wish they could be here with us, but they can't physically be here. Those who are housebound can pray. Families who are away for the season, maybe they're in Arizona or Florida or downstate even, all of us can pray for the ministry of Higgins Lake Baptist Church and pray for one another. And we must. And when we pray, we're united in Christ as we pray together. All of us can pray for the ministry we're all a part of. And as we pray together, God draws our hearts not only to himself, but this is the wonderful thing is is when we pray, we're drawn to God and we're drawn to one another. It's a powerful, powerful truth we find in the scriptures that when we submit ourselves to God, we will find ourselves in unison as a church. When we submit ourselves to God's plan and God's will for our lives as individuals, we'll find ourselves unified in Christ. And when we pray, that's just part of that picture of making ourselves more more like Christ. When we individually become more like Christ, we, we become more unified as a body of believers. This is one of the reasons why if you have a spouse or a family member, I encourage you this week to... Uh, husband, take uh, take your wife aside and pray with her this week. And, and parents, take your children and pray with them this week for the ministry of Higgins Lake Baptist Church and pray through that prayer guide together and get your church directory and pray for the, pray for the people who make up this fellowship by name. Pray together. You'll be drawn together as you're drawn to Christ. 
God's people are unified when they pray together for God's will to be done in their midst. And that should be our desire. When we come to God in prayer, we ought to be praying together that, that God, we want your will to be done here and in our hearts and in our lives. And, and we'll become unified as we pray that prayer together that God's will would be done in our midst because we pray together for God's will to be done and, and we're being drawn together in Christ. There'll be no greater joy than for our church, this church, to be unified in Christ and in his work together for the cause of Christ. Now note a second reason. Note a second reason why we, uh, we have and what we see here for praying. Why pray? And this is so important. I've noted earlier today, I, I touched on it earlier in the service, prayer changes us. Prayer changes us, and it gets things done. And you're thinking, that sounds like two things. But you know what? I think it's more like one thing. Prayer changes us and gets things done. If we don't change, things don't get done. If we don't become more Christ-like in our attitude and our speech and our conduct, things don't get done for God's glory. Note why Paul asked the believers to pray for him here. Look at verses 31 and 32. He says, he's saying, pray for me, labor with me in prayer. Pray for me that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. I want you to note just briefly those four reasons there Paul wants them to pray. He says, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. He was facing severe persecution. Remember, Paul used to be the one who was doing the persecuting. And then he came to Christ and he started preaching the gospel. And his once companions looked at him and said, he's a heretic now. We've got to do away with him. Be done with him. And he says, pray for me that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. And I don't think this is a selfish prayer. I don't think he's just saying, hey, uh, pray that my hide will be spared. I think he wants to continue preaching the gospel. And so he says, pray with me and pray for me that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. He knew he couldn't save himself. And he knew they couldn't come and rescue him. But he knew God could. He couldn't do it. They couldn't do it but they could pray. And so he says, pray with me. He knew God could accomplish what God wanted done in that situation. He says also that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. He says, pray with me, labor with me, that my service might be acceptable. And I think what he's saying here is, look, all Paul could do was remain faithful. That's what we're called to do, right? Be faithful, be obedient. All Paul could do is be obedient to God. Only God could make his work effective and bear fruit. And I think that's what he's touching on here. He says, pray for me and pray with me that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that it will be profitable, that it will be fruitful. Only God can bring the fruit. And then he says, thirdly, that, my, that, that by God's will I may come to you with joy. Again, he, he knows he can't deliver himself and they can't deliver him from the hands of his oppressors, but God could. And he wanted to be able to see them again. And he knew that that would bring great joy. And then fourthly, Paul knew that if God brought him again to be with God's people, he would be refreshed in their company. He would be strengthened and refreshed 
by their company. So how can prayer, which seems like a passive activity, right? I mean, you might think, I don't have time to pray. I've got too much to do, <laughs> right? I've heard other saints of old say, I, I've got so much to do today, I can't afford not to pray for two hours this morning. And yet we often shortchange ourselves and say, I've got too much to do. I don't have time to pray. Why do we do that? Because we think prayer is a passive activity. We think we're not doing anything when we're praying. So how can prayer, which seems like a passive activity, actually change us and actually get things done? Well, it changes us because we, we pray with faith. And that's how you must pray. You must pray with faith. And when you pray with faith, you are yielding to God's will. And you're asking for God to change you and make you more like Him and to, to help line you up with His plans and His purposes and His will. And prayer gets things done because this is how God has chosen to accomplish many of His purposes through the prayers of His people. You see, faith and obedience is your responsibility and getting things done is God's. We have to trust that God is working. We must trust Him and with great joy serve Him obediently. And He will accomplish His purposes. He will fulfill His plans. God is the one who gives the growth. We're reminded, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 and 7, when Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. You see, God's plans are accomplished only by the power of His Spirit. We're told in Zechariah 4.6 when the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel about how the temple would be rebuilt. Zechariah 4.6, it wouldn't be by might or by power because there were mighty men, and yes, there may be strong men who could do the building, but not by might nor by, by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You see, God is sovereign, and by His power, He accomplishes His plans. But in many situations, He ordains prayer as the means by which we obtain His solutions. And prayer changes us by helping us kind of loosen our grip on the control we thought we had and instead helps us trust God because we understand that God is in control. You see, we're so busy clinging to our way of doing things and thinking we have to have it this way. But when you yield to God in prayer, it helps you loosen your death grip on the way you thought it had to be done. And it helps you trust that God is truly in control and God is sovereign. And that points to another reason for prayer. Prayer brings peace. You realize that prayer brings peace? You ever struggle to find peace in your day, in your week, in your life, and you're saying, I just wish I could find a little peace? Paul concludes by saying, look at verse 33, May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. You know, when we yield to God's plan, and we say, yes, God, your wisdom is far greater than mine, and we yield to God's working, he does a miraculous thing. He gives peace. The peace that passes all understanding. I read it in Philippians 4, in the Philippians 4 passage, verses 6 and 7. 
We're going to be committing those to memory in May, Lord willing, but let me read them again. And, and then I'm going to add verses 8 and 9. I want you to listen to these verses again. I want you to listen to them with an ear to hear that only God can give real peace. And when we yield to God in prayer, he does a supernatural work in our hearts and minds and helps us have the peace that passes all understanding. When it says here in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Huh, that sounds like verse 33, doesn't it? May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Why pray? Why pray? Because the God of peace is gracious, and the God of peace will do a miraculous work in your soul, when you yield to him in prayer. J.C. Ryle wrote this about the importance of prayer. He says, Of all the list of Christian duties, there is none to which there is such abounding encouragement as prayer. It is the duty which concerns all, high and low, rich and poor, learned and unlearned, all must pray. Above all, it is a duty in which everything depends on the heart and motive within. Our words may be feeble and ill-chosen, and our language broken and ungrammatical and unworthy to be written down, but if the heart is right, it matters not. He that sits in heaven can spell out the meaning of every petition sent up in the name of Jesus and can make him that asks know and feel that he receives. So, will you pray? Will you pray in the week ahead? Will you continue to be faithful in prayer in 2011? I pray you will. I trust you will. I hope you will. Please join us beginning today and continue throughout this week into next Sunday in prayer for one another in the ministry of Higgins Lake Baptist Church. Use the prayer guide that you have in your program today. Pray with your family this week. Pray with your spouse. Pray with that close friend of yours. Pray for the ministry of Higgins Lake Baptist Church. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for your missionaries. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your coworkers. Ask for God's will to be done in you and them. Will you pray? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we bow before you now, and I do pray that it is the attitude of our hearts that we together are yielding before you now when we pray. And Lord, that, that your will would be done in our lives this week and in every week to come as long as you tarry. God, help us to yield before you our thought life, 
our conduct, our attitudes, our speech, our desires, our wants, our wishes. God, help us to yield them to you and help us to bring them before you in prayer. And God, I pray, help us to know your word, that your word might change our prayers, that they might be conformed to your will. God, change our desires. Make them more like Christ. God, unify us as a church, as believers. God, draw your people together from all over this land. We're spread out as a church right now. But Lord, we trust in you. We know that your way is wise. And this privilege of prayer is so precious. God, help us to take advantage of it. Help us to yield before you in prayer the the deepest desires and concerns and burdens of our hearts. And Lord, we have many burdens this week that we've been praying about and many people in our fellowship and and our extended fellowship hurting in, in many ways. Oh God, we pray for your hand of grace and mercy and guidance and protection on them. For you, oh Lord, are good and forgiving and abundant in steadfast love to all who call upon you. So God, we pray this morning, give ear, oh Lord, to, to our prayers. Listen to our pleas for grace. And Lord, we know that in a day of trouble, when we call on you, you'll answer us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.